Let's be honest. Life's hard sometimes. We get discouraged, struggle in our faith, and it's easy to feel alone. Despite how you might feel sometimes, know that God's got your back. And so do we. Vision's prayer line team are ready to pray for whatever you're going through. Text your prayer request to 0401 132 888 and we will be praying for you. Or click prayerline at vision.org.au. That's 0401 132 888 or vision.org.au. It's another way Vision is helping you look to God daily. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media. Thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation to Visionathon today at vision.org.au. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Vines. We are taking the gospel to the world. Pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. Bringing people far from God near to God. We believe in one truth that will be delivered in love and compassion. Connecting every one person to all that God has promised them. Today. Today. Today with Jeff Vines. Welcome, my name is Bill, and thanks for joining me again. Pastor Jeff is currently in a series called Ready or Not. Today we'll continue his message about the things that happen in life, whether we're ready for them or not. Sometimes we feel the close love of God, and other times he feels distant, and there's pain, suffering, and loss. If you missed the first part of this message, just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you get your podcasts. Let's hear the rest of this message now on Today with Jeff Vines. I've got a new devotional this year by Chris T. Green. He's my favorite devotional writer because all of his devotions really speak to me. I think they go beneath the surface down into the depths. And he says God's relationship with human beings in the pages of Scripture and throughout history, as well as the very existence of the Bible, gives ample evidence that God guides, instructs, corrects, inspires, encourages, reveals, and more. He says inspired writers even call him the Word. The reality is God has always been vocal. He's always been speaking. He's still speaking. But you've got to, here's the key, position yourself in a place where you can hear the voice of God. Discipline. Hearing requires the discipline of positioning yourself in a place to absorb the words of God. And think about it, man. Words are powerful things that ignite the emotions. What's it like for you, husbands, when your wife comes and says to you, you're so handsome, I love you, you're a great father, and I just love... What does that do for you? What does it do for your wife when the husband comes along and says, you know what? You are so beautiful. You will never stop being beautiful to me. I love you. You're a great mom. It just make it just it catalyzes something in you that there's a closeness, there's a nearness, and there's a confidence that you go out and face your life. Words are powerful. But you've got to position yourself in a way, in a place where you can hear the word of God speaking those kind of things inside you. Folks, it took me a long, long time to learn that my daily time with God 
would pay huge dividends in the future. And now as I'm getting older, the value on these words are priceless. It's about giving the Spirit of God ammunition, words that have been in you now, that resonate and have been deeply installed into your emotional constitution, spiritual constitution, to fire the right word at the right time in the right place to give you victory. There have been times in my life when I felt very worthless. Like, why am I in ministry? I'm not very good at this. I'm going to go back to coaching basketball, but I wasn't very good at that either. And just at the right time in the right place, then I would hear the Spirit of God. Before you were born, I formed you. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. And I would be reminded that I am created for God's ultimate purpose. No matter what I feel, the truth is God has his hand on me. There have been times in my life when I felt very distant from God, usually tied to a failure in my life. And suddenly the Spirit of God would activate a scripture, one of my favorite scriptures. God is a friend who stays closer than a brother. That is the objective truth. God is close and near to me whether I feel it or not. And times that I feel lost because I violated something I shouldn't have violated. The Holy Spirit has a way of reminding me, by grace you have been saved through faith. You are a child of God. He will never, ever, ever, ever leave you. And times that I have felt unloved by God himself because of some tragedy that I'm experiencing. The Spirit of God has come in and said, you know what? Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. And times I feel abandoned. God will work everything out for those or everything for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. So why do we feel an emotional emptiness? Oftentimes where God is concerned, number one, our past has tainted our view of God. And two, our emotions have been left untrained. So what do we do? We listen to the language of God. We flood the drought with refreshing water by listening to the language of God. And second, by listening to the language of obedience. Now you got to be careful here. What do I mean by the language of obedience? Because Pastor Jeff, you just said that God's closeness was not determined on how good I am, whether I obey or disobey. So what do you mean, the language of obedience? Have you ever really taken a good look at the Exodus in the Old Testament? Don't you think that would have been an exciting thing to be part of? I mean, you got the burning bush, you got the plagues, the locusts, the frogs coming out of the woodwork. You've got the Nile turning to blood. You've got darkness and the destroyer. Imagine what that last night would have been like. And then, of course, there's this whole thing of the Red Sea crossing. Wow, into a land flowing with milk and honey. Woo, what a ride, man. What an adventure. God's presence is manifest everywhere. And yet, if you read the story, you hear the same old complaint by the Israelites every day. Why did God bring us out here to kill us? Why has he abandoned us? Abandoned you? Dude. But you notice in the story that God never tells them what he's going to do. He has them go to the Red Sea and there's the Red Sea and the mountain on the left, the mountain on the right and the Pharaoh's army behind them. And God doesn't tell them. He just says, keep moving forward. He doesn't tell them what he's going to do. Who knew that God was going to open up the Red Sea when they're out in the desert and they're starving? They got no food. They think they're going to die. God doesn't tell them what he's going to do. Then suddenly, here it comes. Manna from heaven. Food right out of the sky. And in the daytime and the nighttime, they're afraid of their enemies. God doesn't tell them what he's going to do. He just shows up in this huge pillar of fire at night. Pillar of cloud by the day. But he doesn't tell them that. But God keeps showing up again and again and again. But the Israelite attitude is this. Well, God showed up today, but who knows if he's really going to show up tomorrow. 
And then when Moses asked for a sign, remember what he said? God, how do I know you're going to be with us? God doesn't say, well, let me tell you about this pillar of cloud idea I have, and then a pillar of fire idea, and then the Red Sea thing. No. He just says, here's how you know I'm going to be with you. When it's all over and you see how I've been involved in your life, you're going to be so overwhelmed with joy that you're going to bend your knees and you're going to worship me on the mountain. It's almost like God said, Moses, here's how you're going to feel my presence. I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to do ahead of time. You're going to have to go by faith. But when you're on the other side of it and you see how I was involved in everything, you're going to be so overwhelmed with transcendence. You're going to feel my presence. You're going to realize that I was with you all along the way and gave you power all along the way and wisdom all along the way. You're going to be so overwhelmed with joy. You're just going to start worshiping me and you're going to feel me like you've never felt me before. What's your point, Jeff? You want to feel God? Do something hard. You really want to feel God? Obey him in that area that he's been asking you to obey you in a long, long time. Do the hard thing. Make the hard call. And you'll feel him. When I was in seminary, I would come home from Cincinnati Christian Seminary to Brandy Chase Apartments. And as I came down the hill, I think I mentioned this last week, if I turn right, I go to the apartments. If I turn left, I'd go into town. And for a few days, probably a couple of weeks in a row, I noticed that when I looked left to make sure there was no oncoming traffic, there was a guy standing under the bridge holding a sign. And I do what all of you do. Yeah, what a racket. There's probably 50 of those guys collecting money from us gullible people. And they're making more than I'm making. That's what you tell yourself, right? Usually I got away with it, but on this particular occasion, and by the way, that's true. Often that's true. But this particular time, again, when you're in relationship with God, and believe me, don't hold me up on a pedestal. I have those seasons in my life too, but that wasn't one of them. I was listening to the voice of God, and it wasn't audible, but I could sense God say to me, okay, this guy's different. I want you to go help him. But I fought that, so I turned right to go home. Halfway down the road, God said, I thought I told you, and I did a U-turn and went back under the bridge, got out of my car, talked to the guy. I could tell immediately he was different. He said, man, I don't want any money. I just need food. I'm out of work. I've been out of work. I'm trying to find a job during the day. Then in the evening, I stand out to try to get some groceries and food for my kids. Could you help me with some food? I said, absolutely. I took him into the car, went to Kroger. The more I talked to him, the more I realized this was legit. I knew a pastor close by, got him involved. I said goodbye to him. He gave me a hug. He was thankful. He was weeping. I went home and I sat in my apartment. I just began to cry. Why? Because you're a big softy, Pastor Jeff. No. No. Hard to explain. But in that moment, I felt that God and I were doing the same work. Now, when you're working with somebody, you feel close to them. I feel like that just for a moment, I entered into the world of God and what God is trying to do in the world. And as a result, I felt close. I remember a time that God told me to walk across the room and share my faith with someone. I was in my 20s. I did not want to do it. I did not want to do it. And I started to walk out of the door of the cafe and God said, I thought I told you. I See, I know what that sounds like. I got that. So I went back in. And this person ended up being one of the first people that I led to Christ. And after that was over, I remember, and it's not a feeling of arrogance at all. If those of you who've done this, you know what? I, it's like, wow, I, I just partnered with God in something. And God gave me the right word there at the right time in my thought. And so, of course, you're going to feel close to God because when you're doing the work of God, he overwhelms you with his presence to give you the right word, the right time, the right place. When you fight against the temptation that you've been fighting for a long, long time, something special happens when you fight it and you fight it and you fight it. You can feel the pleasure of God 
But it's not an arrogance and a pride that you say, look what I did. No, it's not that at all. It's more like, man, there's no way I could have done that without God. And suddenly you feel close to God because he's released his divine energy into your life because he's for you. (coughs) It took me a while to understand what the great difference was between these Rwandan pastors and me as I would go to the prisons every year after the genocide. And I remember waking up at 5.30 in the mornings at the sound of all the Rwandan pastors, all the Rwandan pastors out greeting the new day with praise and worship. These are pastors who live hand to mouth. Literally every 24-hour period is an adventure, a journey to see if they're going to make it, to see if they're going to have enough food to eat. And yet they're out there in gratitude, thanking God and greeting him on the new day. And it finally dawned on me what's wrong with me and why I'm not doing that. They believe they can't survive one day without God, and I believe that I can. I believe that I I can make it without Him. And as a result, that's why I feel disconnected from Him. They feel so close to Him because they know they can't survive without Him. They depend on Him for all things. After we preached at the prison, it was a difficult, difficult time. I knew we were in danger. I've told you that story. I'm not going to revisit it, but I knew that we were. And after it was over, we all went over. I wasn't the only one that went in there. It was these African and Rwandan pastors as well as some people from the Congo and Uganda. And then we went over to this courtyard after it was over and we all just had a worship session outside. And I got caught up in that. And I have, I'm analytical. So I thought, okay, what's going on here? Am I just feeling good? Is this a spiritual high? And then it, it dawned on me, no. I feel this way because I just did something that was very difficult that God asked me to do. And I know there's no way I could have done that without his presence. So of course I feel close to God. And of course I want to worship him because I realize without him, none of this could happen. I was living in that moment. I said no to self in my little narcissistic ways. And I said, yes, God, I'll live for something greater than me. And as a result, you experience God. Many of us will never experience God the way he seeks to be experienced because we will never obey him in the hard callings. And we will never live our lives for something bigger, greater, or more wondrous than our own little kingdoms. We think we're living, but we're really dying. And the truth be told, if you truly, truly want to feel Christ in your life, then you've got to jump into the furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not meet Jesus at the door. They didn't meet him until they jumped right in the middle of the fire. They obeyed. They did something hard. And that's where they met Jesus. Which leads him to believe that obedience always precedes a spiritual experience. The key is knowing me intimately, listening and following the direction of my voice. So what do we do then? What do we do then when God is Theos Abscondidus, the God who hides? We flood our souls with refreshing water by listening to the language of God, by listening to the language of obedience, and finally by listening to the language of friends. Folks, you know, if you're honest with yourself, that we are experts at self-deception. Man, we're good at it. It's like the guy who was overweight and loved Krispy Kreme donuts and had a difficult time when that red light goes on of passing by. So he's driving down the road, the red light's on, he knows he shouldn't go, he feels convicted, but he prays a little prayer and he says, God, 
I really want these donuts, so I'm going to drive into the parking lot, and if there's an open space, I'm going to take that as a divine revelation <laughs> that it's okay for me to stop at Krispy Kreme's. He drove in, and sure enough, the seventh time around, a parking place opened up. <laughs> Pastor Jeff, what's your point? Everybody needs somebody in their life. I have it. You need to have it. Somebody in their life that will take your head in their hands and say, dude, you're not operating right. You're killing yourself. You have to stop this. John Ortberg says, accountability is a gift we give to help one another realize the growth we could never know by ourselves. Who speaks into your life? You say, I don't need that. Oh, dude, do you realize when you say that, that you're the one who needs it the most? Galatians 6 talks about bearing each other's burdens. And if you look at the context, it's not pain, it's sin. We're supposed to bear each other's burdens. We're supposed to come up and say to somebody, look, this is not appropriate. This is going to kill you. And I know you're drawn to it. If you don't have somebody that, like that in your life, man, you're just going to isolate yourself. And the next thing you know is death and disease and disintegration everywhere. And I know in my heart that as a pastor, it is my job to help you listen to the language of God, the language of obedience, but also the language of friends. And here's how I do that. We create two things here. We create rooted. And rooted is a place where you go in and discover that God is a God. It's a 10-week commitment. God is a God who wants to talk to you, communicate with you, that you can listen to his voice and feel the presence of God. And then from there, we go to community groups. It's a natural graduation, a gathering place to hear God's voice collectively. Again, if you're going to be able to feel God, you've got to hear God. If you're going to hear God, you've got to position yourself in places where you're going to hear. And one of those primary places is a group of people doing life together in Jesus' name. And when one struggles with feelings that God is far away, the arms of those who are part of the community will be the only arms God has to draw such people in. On prayer meeting... At the end of it, we call people forward and the staff and elders are here and people come for prayer. And I started walking up the corner here and I saw right in the middle of this, a man who was struggling with cancer and you could tell it was really impacting him. And I was walking up to be part of this and then I just stopped because I realized they don't need me because the entire small group, his entire community group was around him. I stepped in there and I felt, man, the presence of God is here. They were loving him. They were encouraging him. He was weeping. He was receiving an emotional healing right then and there, and I didn't want to mess it up. And finally, I was prompted by God, no, Pastor Jeff, you still need to go. So I went in there, didn't say a word. I just put my head, my hands around his neck, and I began to pray silently. And you could just sense God in this circle here. Nothing brings back feelings of being cared for and being loved by God than being in a community that feels and bears each other's burdens. But there's a second language in this. And the second language is the language of worship. So if you don't feel God, know that you've brought some erroneous concepts about God into your relationship. Now you've got to get rid of those and you've got to learn objective truth of who God really is. And when you're feeling distant from God, take your collar by the scruff of the neck there and lead it back to objective truth. You can do that by listening to the language of God in your quiet time, even if it's five minutes, get a devotional, pray, commune with God. And even if you find it difficult to do, keep doing it through discipline and it will kick in. Listen to the language of obedience, whatever God's telling you to do. Get involved in something that really matters where you can't achieve it without God. And then finally, make sure 
that you listen to the language of your friends around you who can give you the right word at the right time to encourage you in this. And then finally, and God is calling somebody right now. Did you hear that? He's calling somebody right now. I told you God still talks. He still speaks. Some of you have to use the phone because you don't listen any other way. And so, so finally, worship today is perhaps the greatest apologetic. And what I mean by that is that I believe there are few things in our lives that communicate the reality of God more than when somebody walks into a place where there's authentic, genuine worship occurring. However, it is also true that there's something about music and worship that connects a chord in you with God. It's almost unexplainable. So you've got to be somebody that worships regularly. When my mom died and I was in Dargaville, New Zealand at a place called Kaiwi Lakes, I got the phone call there. So then I had to make the trip all the way to Tennessee. And I went through the funeral and everything so fast because I had to get back. I had responsibilities. So it was six months before I got to really deal with what I had suffered. I was playing golf at a place called Waipu and I was driving back to Auckland and I saw the sign to Dargaville and suddenly six months later, everything came back. Now, thank God that I was in a good place with God at that moment where almost immediately as the pain increased, so did God's comfort and encouragement because the verse kept coming to my mind. I am the resurrection and the life. Though a man or woman die, yet shall he live. And that just kept flooding my mind. And then I started singing, which I don't do. Okay, I do often. But I started singing a hymn, which I don't do very often. I started singing it as well with my soul. Why? Why that? I mean, I usually sing Coldplay or the Eagles or James Taylor or, you know, why? Why? You say, well, it's just nostalgia. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's more than that. Why is it when I go to a funeral of people who aren't believers, they sing the hymns and when they do, they cry? Let me tell you something. Music has always been a way that God communicates to his people. Always. It's a gift of God. That's why I tell you that Spotify is from God. (laughs) And every day, every day you're able to develop a little playlist, if it's only for 10 minutes on the way to work, of some of those powerful songs that you like to get the words into you, that the Spirit can fire those words at the important times of your life and you begin to feel God. So Jesus is in the garden and he's on the way to the cross. And the Bible says that he's so anxious that he experiences a medical condition called hematidosis, which is where the uh, anxiety is so intense that blood starts to seep into the sweat glands. And you think, what is he so anxious about? This is the son of God. Is it about dying? I don't think so because the Bible says for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He knew what was on the other side. So what's the big deal? What's the pain? No, I don't think so. He'd seen it thousands and thousands of times before. What's the one thing he cried out to the Father? The one thing he feared was being separated from the Father, that he had been abandoned. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you understand that the primary message of the cross is that God abandoned his son on the cross so he would never have to abandon you? He's always there. He's always there. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your love for us and for the power of Scripture. And I would ask you in Christ's name right now that there would be an overflow of joy to know that God is right here with us right now. 
And if we have these feelings of alienation, it has a lot more to do with us than it does God. He's there. The hound of heaven will never stop pursuing, never stop loving, never separate from us, never leave us alone. He's always with us. Open arms, gathering us in. And so I pray that there would be great encouragement for those who feel a bit lost. And I pray that there would be a desire once again in our lives to listen to the language of God through scripture and through worship music, through song, to the language of obedience, to do the hard thing that we've been called to do a long, long time ago, to get involved in God's work and be part of God's plan for this place. And finally, to listen to the language of friends and community as iron would sharpen iron. In Christ's name, amen. You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Thanks for joining us. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. The basis of this series comes from the Sermon on the Mount, and we're going to take an intense look at it. And as we get into it, J.T. Fisher, who is a world-renowned psychiatrist, here's what he says about the Sermon on the Mount. He says, for nearly 2,000 years, the Christian world has been holding in its hands the complete answer to its restless and fruitless yearning. Here rests the blueprint for successful human life with optimum mental health and contentment. So if you want optimum mental health and contentment in your hands, the Sermon on the Mount. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you get your podcasts. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.